Apple shares were just getting hammered this morning. Every day they're Welcome. Episode six. Episode six. The trillionaire mindset. Mm. I'm Ben. I'm Emil. Thanks for tuning back in. Thanks for tuning back in. We love you very much for doing it. Check the disclaimer in the description. Ugh. That only applies to Ben. You can still sue me. Yeah, still sue him. He's it's worth a, millions. It's a thrill for me. Uh, we got a lot to cover this week. So much. So much. So much. I think first off the, you you were telling me that you had. Oh, well, number one, the Stanford thing is getting way out of control. It's getting really bad. We It was a stupid joke. Yeah. Also, I don't know if I told you, someone, uh, it's it's out of hand on all sides. Someone sent in a video of uh, uh to the trillionaire <laughs> Instagram and they were following someone who had a, um, Stanford a Stanford Business School. School backpack. Did you see it? I did and see that. First, there was a picture and it said, do you want me to beat them up? And then it was a video of them following them and it was very uncomfortable. Don't don't beat anyone up. It's a joke. Don't beat anybody up. It's a joke. <laughs> then we might actually get sued. Yeah. No, but, but that- it was it was scary. It was very visceral yeah. watching someone follow. A stranger. Yeah. And this person had no idea. Yeah, well, <laughs> that there was some dumb joke on a podcast. No, but it's it's out of hand on all sides. I I got this I got this very scary um voicemail. Really? I think I uh, wonder how they got your phone number. Can we play it? Let me see. Hey, I hope I got the right Emil, uh the co-host of the Trillionaire Mindset. My name is William. I'm the president of the student council at Stanford Business, and I just wanted to reach out and say you're a worm. The both of you are worms. Me too? You, you're nothing. I see you, I see your little show, and it looks like nothing. It looks like worms. A dried worm on the sidewalk. <laughs> I see you, I wouldn't even give you my spit to bring you back to life. Because you know you could sort of bring a dried worm. I wouldn't even give you my spit. So if y'all keep talking sweet over there, a trillionaire, I'm going to have to come down there and wipe those little smiles off your little warm faces. And guess what? The smile's also your asshole, because it's just the one thing. <laughs> Fuck you. Wow. William, was it? Yeah. I'd like to see you come down to the studio and put your money where your mouth is, pal. Yeah, where your asshole is, yeah. apparently. Let's see it. Prove it. Because you're the worst. Prove how tough you are. Drive all the way. I don't know where Stanford is. Northern California? Yeah. Is that? Up there in Stanford, California. Is that really where No, it is? I think it's in Palo Alto. Oh, well, get your rich butt down here, William. Billiam? Billiam. Yeah, what a dumb name. Yeah, so I Make don't up know. your mind. Is it Bill? William? I regret Idiot. the whole thing. I want I want it to go away. You want to settle the, you want to let the dust settle? I mean, I'm trying. Let's, we agree to not have anyone follow any anyone. We should, you should arm wrestle William. Or you'd probably win. We've all seen the picture of me on your shoulders. We should uh, we should chicken fight. Chicken fight, yes, that's a good idea. We'll chicken fight anyone, yeah. any alumni, staff. William, get on your dad's shoulders because you, <laughs> you'd be used to it. Because I'm sure you're always on your daddy's shoulders, oh. son. Yeah, that was a burn. I served it up. What are you gonna do about it? He's gonna come Sucker. kick our ass. That's what. All right. Oh, hey, before we keep going, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Megan Quigley. Hi, Megan. 
You're doing great. Who's Megan Quigley? She's a uh, she's a friend of the podcast. Nice. Hey, Megan. Uh, and we we did an Instagram poll for you guys asking who you'd like us to have on as guests. A lot of suggestions for your mom and these nuts. <laughs> yeah, top top two were your mom and these nuts. So thanks for re- reminding us that the internet is a nightmare. Thank you. One person said Ben's dead dad, which <laughs> was very funny. Uh, I actually got a kick out of that. But we also had a lot of uh, very good suggestions. Some that, serious ones. Yeah, that we're, we're trying to make happen. We're working so on it. We appreciate you doing all of the work for us. Uh, yeah. yeah. So any and all ideas, just send them our way so we can take all the credit. And and we will see if we can do some kind of seance to get Ben's dad on. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd actually be really tight. <laughs> if you finally got to talk to your dad again. If we did a Ouija board, it would just spell out F A. R, T. <laughs> I'd be like, ah, that's him. Oh, boy. We want to remind you guys to leave a comment on this video. Smash that like button. Smash the like. Break your computer. Quit your job. Um, don't kill your parents, etc. cetera. Uh, thumbs up it wherever you go. Yeah. Um, liking. Oh, also, there's been some confusion in the comments. And I will say, this is another thing with the Stanford thing. We are being confusing because we every week in the beginning we go, yeah, listen on Spotify, crush Stanford. And then inevitably halfway through we're looking at some chart and you go, if you're listening, you got to come to YouTube and yeah. watch. So do both. Do both or... You know what I do to juice the numbers? As soon as it comes out on Spotify, I hit play on my phone and then I mute it and I just let it play. You're juicing our own numbers. Oh yeah, of course, man. Don't you got to. Every little listen counts. And then I did, uh, then I watch on YouTube and I leave negative comments. You leave negative burner com- accounts. Yeah. Are you the one? You got to balance out all the positivity. Speaking of negativity, you got, you remember Charlie Munger? Yeah, he the came. The billionaire up. freak. We were joking about him last week, and now he's the in the ghoul? news. He's uh, this he's is news, this yeah. is very funny. He's uh, <laughs> he an fancies act- himself quote uh, an, amateur an amateur architect. Architect. <laughs> so he uh, <clears throat> he left. He 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 wanted to give some money to UC Santa Barbara for uh, for a dorm. I guess they're they are, they are short on housing for uh, students. And Charlie Munger said, "I know what I'll do. I'll draw them up a little mega dorm." Yeah, this thing is. Psychotic. But they can only take my money if they if let they, me design right. the dorm. It's got to be gonna exactly house, to his specifications. Yeah, and it's going to house forty five hundred plus students. Yeah. So and it's crazy because the I think. The next biggest dorm is at the Naval Academy, which is 4,000 students, wow. and it's multiple wings, and it's got like 25 entrances and exits, right? And this one's 4,500. It's all like one wing, and it's got two entrances. It's got two entrances? Yeah. But that's, that's not insanity. even the worst part. The worst part is that everyone's pissed because it's something like, it's something crazy, like 94% of the Bedrooms. rooms don't have windows. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's going to entice them to come out and socialize. And so the... the come out into the common areas where there are right. windows to socialize, right? But so the lead architect, or not the lead architect, I think he serves on like the design board or something. He resigned over it and he was like, I won't take part in this social and psychological experiment. Probably very the, smart of him. It, yeah. You know, I'm sure that there's going to be all kinds of issues when, when that someone smoking a joint and sets the whole thing up and uh, <laughs> God forbid... Right. That's not going to happen. But God, Charlie Munger, you had your whole life. And there's you're actually, a if we can go to the article real quick, there's an insane quote from uh, from Munger himself. Yeah. It's actually like 
Munger dismissed criticism about the amount of influence billionaires have on projects like the Megadorm, telling MarketWatch that he'd rather be a billionaire and not be loved by everybody than not have any money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now you're speaking my language, yeah. Charlie. Yeah, you're right. I'd rather be a billionaire and not be loved by everybody than not have any money. Yeah. Because so, what, what, uh, what is love worth? Can you go to the bank with love? Nothing. Nothing. It's worth nothing. Now it's time for a little segment we call the Crypto Corner. Crypto <laughs> that's, uh, I don't know we had a theme song for it yet, but that's yeah. pretty good. Did you hear about this Squid Game coin? I did. I bought, I bought big. You bought big in the Squid Game coin? Yeah. Oh, man, what a disaster. Okay, so this thing, Squid Game coin, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a piece of garbage. Uh, what do they call them? <laughs> oh, uh, junk? No. Shit. Scam? No. Shitcoin. Yeah, yes, thank you. Um, this thing <laughs> started at one thirty-five a.m. It was $38. An hour later, it was $90. An hour later, it was 93 Next hour, it jumps to 434 The next hour, $2,800 per coin. And then <laughs> five minutes later, <laughs> How? in five minutes, it went from 2856 64 to point zero 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 seven nine, it just in a flash just went to zero. Just the rug fully pulled. So how does that happen in five minutes? Does I have that no just idea. mean it's like clearly some group of people scamming and they just dumped right? At the My top assumption out? is that the the creators of the coin just absolutely liquidated every last coin that they held, and the bid was probably propped up artificially by another wallet or something. And when they got what they came for. They did it. We got a great video of this guy who was like live trading as it happened. We'll play for you here. So the market cap is $2.168 trillion. And now the market. Oh! Oh! It went to zero! Yeah! <laughs> So the mark. I just love that candle. It's that huge, huge green candle going up, and then in a second, <laughs> just one. Yeah, because it happens so quick. It happens so fast. So what have we learned here, Emil? Don't buy shitcoin. Don't do that. Yeah. Also, I mean, so if you click the link, it's like I was reading the the BBC article, and it's like, I it's Squid Game crypto. Like, like it makes it sound. A bit like Squid Game cryptocurrency rockets in first few days of trading. And then like when you scroll down, it's like, you know, they're just kind of talking about it as it's like, gamers have created an on online version of the program for which you need Squid Cryptocurrency to play. And it's like... This is one of the pitfalls of... Right, because they don't really know what yeah, they're covering. I mean, they're like, this is a fun little story. And then yeah. people are like, yeah, let me get into fucking shitcoin. Yeah. And it's all, I mean, this is one of the things you got to be careful about and try to exercise some kind of critical thinking skills. And as soon as you start to feel yourself get that greed, that FOMO, it's probably wise to not do anything about it and like sit on, literally sit on your hands if you need to. Because yeah, watching it go from 30 bucks to $2,800, I'm sure there were plenty of times where you probably would have been pulling out your hair, but Oh boy, to have a, the rug pulled out from you like I that. I mean, whoever the guy who held to twenty eight hundred. Wait, there was a guy who did that? no, because when they started selling at twenty eight hundred. Oh right. The like, the, I mean, it went up to four hundred. I would have fucking sold then. I mean, this guy's. Yeah, the hardest part in trading is selling. the The two hardest things in my experience are selling and cutting your losses. 
which is going to be something that I'm going to dive into next. But uh, just speaking of Squid Coin, um, Coin, Squid Coin, Squid Game Coin, Netflix just launched. Uh, they're finally doing the games thing, and they just launched. It's only for adult accounts. It's only on Android and only on mobile, and there's only five games. But you got to start somewhere. Um, too bad I don't have an Android because I'm not a freaking yeah, we're... loser. <laughs> I mean, come on, no, green an text Android... bubbles. What am I trying not to get laid? Jeez, Louise. Oh, come, come on. on, don't do our Android listeners like that. Yeah, we love you guys. Beep boop at the Android. I don't know what the hell. Uh, Ethereum and Solana hit all time highs. Bitcoin's like nearing all time highs. We're proud of you. Everything's nuts. Uh, everything is at all time highs. Everything it's, is nuts. It's truly insane. I mean. You, everywhere you look, there's signs of a bubble, but I mean, that can go on. You're looking? I'm seeing the signs. What are the signs? The bubbles. Yeah, they're, they're everywhere. Man. Everywhere. <laughs> you got to go to the doctor the if studio. you're seeing bubbles. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, that Shiba Inu wallet had some movement. The guy who bought, the, the person who had like $5 billion worth of Shiba moved like $2 billion worth around into other wallets. So they're out there. They're, they're out not there. locked out. They they have the money, and it's insane. And uh, I hope they give me some. What does that mean for Shibuno? I have no idea. Yeah, uh, I was reading a lot of theories that it's like, oh, it's uh, they're trying to make it look like there's a whole bunch of supply to try to make the price drop. I, I don't know. All this stuff is a crapshoot. Right. Um, wanted to go over some of my trades for this week. I had some good trades that I'm proud of. Um, you had some good ones. Yeah, I had some good ones, and there's some lessons. The first one I, I played some GameStop. Um, call options, the 200 okay. strike. So let's go over that real fast. What does that mean, the 200 strike call option? Come on, the 200 strike. Are you just going to look at me, man? <laughs> that means that I bought the 200s, meaning I want it to go at least to 200. Okay. And the premium that I paid for it was, what was it, like, I don't know, three, can we go back to that real fast? I don't even remember what the hell I paid for. I paid uh, $4.76. I sold some at nine dollars and sixty-five cents, and then some more at thirteen forty. A really like. So you bought these at four seventy-six. Yeah. So technically, some. if I want to break even, that means I need it to go to two hundred and four right point seven six. The price of the premium that I paid plus the strike price equals the break-even point. And then after that, you can start making some money. And then after that, but if the if I I Damn, bought so the, you held till nine. Yeah, but I did that on like Monday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which oh, is, and it expires on Friday. Yeah. So the more time you've got, like the sooner it makes a move, the more your premium is going to get juiced. So we've got a chart here. And Spotify listeners, we're going to work on something where we can link out to like charts. But uh, there's some good lessons here in this chart. So the first thing I want to call attention to is the higher lows. You see, I pointed that out at the bottom. There was the, the set of higher lows in August and then again in October. Like that's that's a sign that, something's kind of building, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Are you putting these? I put those lines yeah, okay. in there. Yeah, those black lines to show, all right, it put in a higher low. That shows that there's not being lower lows. Right. Lower lows would be bad. It means the downtrend is is happening. But this higher low, this set of higher lows, and then it goes, you see that one big pop day right in the middle there? And all the price action thereafter has stayed in the body of that one big candle. Do you see what I'm yeah, talking about? Right At the, where the two lines meet, you got this huge candle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In um, toward the end of like August 23rd. So that shows the, the price is like consolidating and you can draw a trend line from the top of that all the way down. 
And then right in there, you've got the price making that higher low and bouncing off of the 200-day moving average. The 200-day moving average is kind of like the long-term trend indicator that pretty much everybody uses that shows like, all right, if it's up, the trend overall is up in the long term. And if the price gets down there, you're going to want to see it hold above the 200-day. So we had that. And just above it was two things, the 50-day moving average, which is the, the blue line, and then you had that trend line right there. So when it started to pop above that, uh, you see I wrote broke through the near-term trend line in the 50-day? Yeah, the That's line. when I bought, it was at like 195. That's when I bought those $200 calls because I'm looking up and I'm like, all right, there were like four bucks, I'll play. I'll play. And then the next day they popped, I, I, I sold them because the the stock went above 200 the calls went up like they were a triple so i just took my money and i ran and that's it i was in and out in a day and yeah if i had held on one more day they would have gone up to like 50 60 bucks per and so i would have made more but. explain what you mean by the higher lows real quick the higher lows the price um per share didn't continue to make new lows if okay. it kept going down that would be bad. That right. would show that the trend is continuing downward. The stock is going to start breaking down. Mm -hmm. But if it's putting in a, it puts in a low and then it puts in another low, but it's higher than the previous one. Right. And then the next low is a higher one than that. And it's just kind of like stair stepping upward and condensing into that channel. That takes a long time to set up. I mean, that was like three months. And that's where like waiting really comes into play because there wouldn't have right. been. How long were you watching this? Were you watching? I wasn't. Like, I, oh, I just okay. saw people starting to talk about it. And that was another thing like, oh, GameStop is kind of setting up. <laughs> and that's what people were referring to. A lot, of, a lot of people saw that same setup. Right. So there was, and Bed Bath & Beyond had just reported earnings, I think. And they shot up like 93% in a day. And Bed Bath & Beyond is in that same basket of stocks that did really well around the GameStop time. It was GameStop, AMC, Bed Bath & Beyond, BlackBerry. So like when one kind kind of starts to move, they all can kind of move in tandem. So there was that one. So and you're then, not actually paying attention to GameStop anymore? No, you just like I, I, I was just in it for a quick trade. Wait, but so what? if you look at that candle with the yellow at the end, mm -hmm. did it shoot all the way up to- It shot, that's good. Yeah, it shot all the way up to just under 260. So you left some money on the table. I did. I left some money on the table, but yeah. I'm okay with that on a stock like this where it's, you, okay. you don't know what you're going to get. Um, I left a few grand on the table. Nothing compared to, uh, oh, and so I've got another chart here for Overstock, which is a symbol OSTK. This one has a very similar kind of setup. Look how long- this one took to set up. This is what I'm talking about with patience. And you can see. Oh, yeah, we're going all the way back. What is that? Yeah, July? that's August of 2020. Yeah. That high was put in. And then the next uh, highest high was just a little bit lower in February of this year. And then it tried again and it just was setting up. You see the series of higher lows? I mean, this is the a low chart, from right? the beginning of this year. So this bottom line. Yeah. I put in these lines to, to right. show that. And when the stock starts to kind of get in this range, this narrowing range. Right. It's kind of easier to see what you're talking about yeah. on this one, right? Because it's not dipping quite as low as it was right. previously in like December and And November. especially if you look toward, I, we can't zoom in, but if you look toward this last August, that's a, a good chunk of higher lows. Just like the low, a newer one that's higher, a newer one that's even higher. And the price is getting into these, into this channel. And then look what happens when it finally busts above. 
So I played some of those options. I didn't write them down for this, but I played like the 95 strike and the 100 strike for nice little profits. And this one took a long time. And How much this are we is talking? A, a couple thousand bucks. But <clears throat> this is what I'm talking about, where you wait for the fat pitch. Like this was a nice big fat pitch, a nice big meatball. And this time, instead of a wet noodle, baby, I had a big old bat, and I just went. You were like Babe Ruth with like three different bats. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Calling your calling your shot. So this is a great chart lesson here. I mean, this is uh, this is a nice bread and butter kind of setup that anyone can see, you know. But it can take time for it to set up because, like, back in July, you could have said the same thing, but then it was a fake out, and it started to break above, but then went back down, and it had to set up again for another few months. Uh, the next one was, oh, this is tragic for me. So um, what's the name of the company? The rental oh, car. Oh, Avis. Avis. Yeah. It shot up this week by over 100%. I don't know why. I, I don't know what happened, but uh, the ticker symbol is fun. It's car, C-A-R. Maybe someone's got some info that they're going to do a little Hertz deal. Never know. Yeah. I had 2,000 shares of this stock. In March of 2020, <clears throat> I sold them for nine dollars. How much you like buy them for? Fifty-six cents. I, I bought them for like eight dollars and okay. change. I made like twenty-five hundred bucks on the trade. Two thousand shares. Okay. It hit a high of like five hundred and fifty dollars. Wow! And you bought it this at week. Eight. Yeah, and I had two thousand shares. The profits. The <laughs> profits I would have had on this thing is somewhere north of like 650. I don't even remember. $700,000 I would have made. Holy shit. <sighs> Guys, give him a second. That's a hard one. So there's the, there's the chart. And uh you can see that that uh, that just really hurts. Hurts. See, but this is the, this is, when I see this stuff, this reminds me like I've gambled a little bit and only lost and now I completely stay away from it. And it's mm -hmm. like this is truly the feel like when we had the guy we played the TikTok of the guy who was like, my Shiba would have been Shiba worth- My Shiba coin like, would have been worth one billion dollars. Right, billions, whatever. Yeah. It's these losses where you go, oh, you just needed this one thing to happen. Like, who knows how long you would have held on. So like- Yeah, I probably would have sold it a, you know, I would have sold it a hundred bucks right. or something. Probably. Because why would I hold but on? You but you have then the again, feeling that you lost out on yes. 700K. Yeah. Which, which is like- so nice. Right, but- Because it was in my retirement account too. It would have been tax-free. Wow. Yeah. Well, if I live to 70 or whenever, I can touch it. But That's not going to happen. Um, so there was one idiot, absolute moron on Reddit. He posted on uh, Wall Street Bets. <laughs> he, shorted, he shorted this stock. Into, uh, maybe it was earnings. I guess it was earnings. Can you give a brief short? I've seen some comments oh, yeah. okay. asking what yeah. shorting is. Can you give a brief? All right. So there's, there's essentially when you're doing stocks, you're either long which means you think it's going to go up, or you're short, which means you think it's going to go mm -hmm. down. And when you're long, there's two sides of the trade. You buy it, and then you sell it, right? The buying is the opening part of the trade, and the selling is the closing. It's one half of the circle. You got to buy it, and then you got to sell it. Right. Shorting is just the opposite. You got to sell it, and then you got to buy it. You sell it to start the trade, you buy it to close it. And I will use pudding again to exemplify this. Let's say I go over to your house, right? Yeah. And you got a fridge stocked full of pudding. Mm -hmm. You're a fiend, man. You got so much pudding, you don't know what to do with it. Right. 
word spreads on the street. Oh, and there's people fuck. outside. And they they're clamoring. They're going, we want pudding. Share the pudding, Emil. You I'm selfish. Going, fuck you, freeloaders. Yeah. Well, I see that. And I'm like, man, Emil, you got to sell some of this pudding. And you're like, mind your own business, Ben. Yeah. And I go, all right. I'm going to borrow some of this pudding out of your fridge and I'm going to sell it to people because they are, the price is going up. It's like 10 bucks a pack. And I know that it's only worth like five. So I'm going to borrow some from your fridge and I'm going to sell it to people because I see an opportunity here. People are, people are snatching it up. They're going absolutely, yeah, they're buying up the pudding. And then lo and behold, the next day, the price drops to five bucks. Score. There's a problem though. I got to restock your fridge, right? Yeah, you better. Because I borrowed your pudding. I got to close the trade. I got to buy the pudding back. So I go to the store and I buy just as much pudding as I just sold at five per pack. And I put it back in your fridge. You're happy. I'm happy because I just collected the difference. Right. You collected an extra five bucks on the pudding. We'll talk trash about shorting, but it is kind of an essential part of a functioning market because if you think a stock is going to go up... You can participate, right? You buy it and it goes up. There has to be a mechanism for to participating if you think a stock's going to go down just as well. It's just it's just like the opposite. You're you're selling something that you when you're long, you're buying something that you don't yet own. You buy it and then you own it. When you're short, you're selling something that you don't yet own and then you buy it back to close out the trade. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, you're just I mean People get caught up on the mechanism of it. Like, how do you borrow something that isn't yours? It's like, don't worry about that. The thing that you got to understand is you're just bu- you're selling it first and then buying it back. The risk is, what if that price of pudding shot to 100 or 200 right. so or you, 300? So you take my pudding and you start selling it out. To I people. have to replenish your fridge. Right. I, so this can be pretty dangerous. Yes, because again, if people start going crazy worldwide and it shoots to 200, I still have to buy it back. So your losses are potentially unlimited. If you make good on your short, no problem, because you just buy it back at a a lower price. So this dork, this huge idiot, shorted (laughs) car. They borrowed shares that- Car is the ticker for 80s. Yeah, car is the ticker. And this guy, his net loss is just under $170,000. His net account value is negative 43,000. So I believe he owes his broker 43 grand because it went higher, it went over 100%. So that's the danger of shorting. He's down over 100%. He didn't hedge at all. So now here's a pop quiz. If you were short car, Emil, how might you use options to hedge yourself? What would you buy? Put. No, you would buy calls, correct. Fuck. It's okay. <laughs> I had so, a 50-50 shot and that's what hurts the most. It's okay. So like if you were long car into earnings, what would you buy to hedge? But wait, I thought puts are the ones that can help you hedge your bets. If it goes, if you're, yeah, I mean, calls and puts can hedge. Oh. You can hedge either way, depending on the direction you're betting in. If you're betting it's going to go down, you would hedge yourself against upside by buying calls because you would be participating in the upside at least. Right? Yeah. No, this sucks. People are going to see this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that wait, g- it, uh, this guy though lost this much money. I think one of the I think he said, what does the title of it say? I lost my car short into earnings, life savings and some gone. Please. Please if you're out there and you're just getting into trading and you and Wait, so what? what is he just Gonna have like a fucking debt collector after him forever? To I mean, these? I don't know. I think TD Ameritrade, which is his broker, will probably 
I don't know, garnishes wages. I don't know how they <laughs> do this. Sucks. <laughs> But don't ever do something like that. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket like that. You are not savvy and sophisticated enough to to do trades like this. In this <laughs> Wall Street bets is a dark place. It this, really the is. The top comment the guy says, "Damn it, 2 days into no nut November and you show me with this. Guess I'll try again next year." Does that mean he's jerking off to it? Yeah, he's happy. At, at, he's on Cody mode and is excited by someone else's loss. But Jesus, this doesn't make me feel good. Like, no, this one is terrible. this one sucks. Like, don't for the love of God, don't do that. And even if if you are in a position where you really believe in something, hedge yourself. Buy some calls if you're short. Buy some puts if you're long. Do something. But uh, man, I hope this person's okay. I hope they're not, you know. Get get on to better health. Betterhealth.com slash trill. Um you're gonna need to use that code, man, to save as much better better help? Better help. You're gonna need to go on this guy's gonna need to go on betterhelp.com slash trill. Use that promo code to get a discount. Much needed discount. Uh I had another trade that I was really happy with that I got filled on last week. Didn't realize it. Um You got filled on? Yeah, I, I put in a bid. Uh, so when you, when you do an options trade, just standard options trade, you do a buy to open. You remember I talked about, you know, half, half of the trade is opening and closing Mm -hmm. in options. I'm buying to open the position and then you sell to close it. Right. So that's what, when I wrote BTO up there, I bought to open two of the November 19th. So two weeks out, 900 strike calls on this MSTR for $10 and 50 cents. So that's just a little over twenty one hundred bucks. I put. What's in. MSTR? Is that the MSTR is called MicroStrategy. Mm. They are uh, just. They were a boring company from like the nineties, and they decided to pivot exclusively to Bitcoin. They just used all their cash to just buy Bitcoin, and the stock is Good up for them. Yeah, a ton. And the CEO is like this crazy laser eyes dude. But I forgotten that I had this, and then MicroStrategy shot up, and I sold. I ended up selling the other one today, but I sold one call for 35 bucks, the other one for 30, which was nice. But it's got a similar little lesson here. You got higher lows. Much higher lows. Look at those fucking- Much higher lows. Look at where it is. It's above both the 200 and the 50-day moving average. It shot up, and then it kind of like consolidated into that little channel. And Friday last week when it was around 725, that's when I bought the 900 strike calls. Now, obviously, I'm aiming really far ahead. I'm aiming for like 150 point move, but I don't need that whole move to happen because A, I have time. I have two weeks. What did you buy it at? I bought the 900 strike calls. Okay. So it didn't even come close. It shot up to 850 on Monday, but that was enough to juice those calls enough because, you know, they all kind of moved together Mm -hmm. and that big move, and it was on volume too. There was, you see down at the bottom, that big black candle, that was enough to kind of really juice it. So- it was a good trade. I'm I'm happy with myself hey, this good week. Good for you, man. Had a lot of good trades. Don't worry about that. But I'm also grand. angry. Don't worry about the 700 grand. You left it on. Well, the table. this week I left like 40 grand on the table. This week, man. Amazon. I had a bunch of. I traded Amazon. I traded Google. I traded Shopify. I won't go into detail on those because it's just too much. But as of this morning, I would be up another 40 grand, which you is know, just that's. So that's there's. Sorry, I'm talking so much today, man. It's all right. Sorry, everybody. You know who didn't leave any money on the table? Who? Elon Musk. (laughs) 
Wait, real, real fast before we get into Elon. This is a problem that I have. I have a real big issue with like letting go of what could have been. Yeah, that's what I'm talking. This is the like gambler mindset. It's yeah. like and it's for me it's not even the gambler mindset. It's just like, ah, oh, you're going to have in your trading career for those out there who are um uh intrepid young money hungry gamblers. Take it from me, don't don't let these things become you know brain worms because they will eat you alive like yeah it's so painful to look at like oh my god i would have had another 40 grand this week but it's like i'm already i did well otherwise i don't know it's hard to let go of what about elon no i'm glad you fucking spoiled my great segue to go back (laughs) to say that no i'm I'm glad no that seemed sorry truly worth sorry about that i'll shut up i had a killer segue and then he was like no let me go back for a second so what about Elon Musk? <laughs> oh boy! How much how much wealthier is he this week? I don't know if on the week, but I think as of Monday, on the Monday he yeah. went up 24 another twenty four bill billion dollars. You know those guys who say bill or mill instead yeah. of that's, oh they're so cool. That's when I'm like, okay, this guy knows money. Oh man, yeah, what's up another no, twenty four like bill? bill. It's like a bill, I think. Yeah, I don't think. man, can you imagine having a bill? Yeah, and then I'm, I mean, having a mill would be sick. Yeah, that's and it what is. I know. This guy fucking knows finance. Yeah, he's got. This a guy bill. knows money. Nice Patagonia vest. Oh, the guy. Not you, the guy. Yeah. But I was doing such a good impression. You saw a Patagonia vest. Yeah, I could the... just see it. I visualized it. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So Elon's doing great still. You kind of had a fun little lesson with this one. Yeah, this, I, this, this was, was another fun lesson. You were telling me a funny um, rule. I I have what's called the uncle rule that I made up for myself because my uncle trades exclusively on his phone he used to just call a broker and pay like 80 dollars per trade commission and they totally took advantage of him they could have told him at any point hey you know you don't have to call us like this and it's the modern era like you can just do it online but he's like old guys man they don't yeah my dad still he just like refuses to use his credit card it's just like really cash and we'll be out and he'll be like points that that man is missing out on (laughs) he'll be like i need an atm it's like for what yeah for cash you know they have and then but he thinks they're gonna like steal his info or something and he's gonna get Uh, babu you gotta i mean take the risk i think someone can rob you rob you of your cash and then you got no uh you got nothing yeah he can stave him off though well the uncle rule is that whenever my uncle texts me excitedly about (laughs) a stock i know it's probably done in the near term and that's kind of what happened with uh, Tesla. We got the chart pulled up here. So that candle that I pointed to um, was Monday's action. And it was like kind of a blow off top. And at the very top up there, th- this is one of the indicators that I use. Some people had asked me about what chart indicators I use. And chart indicators, for those of you who don't know, are just like different people have invented different what they call indicators where it's like moving averages are a sort of indicator. They're very basic. It's just the average of the price over the last 50 days or 10 days or 200 or eight or whatever you want to choose. Um, and there's dozens of them and they all tell you different things for, for whatever momentum, but I keep it really basic. And one of those is the RSI, which is called the relative strength index. And generally speaking above 70, it's starting to kind of run hot Below 30, you're probably looking at a near-term bottom. 
And Tesla, as you can see, has been running hot above 70 for a long time, several weeks, and topped out and almost maxed out the RSI's capabilities. That combined with my uncle's <laughs> greedy, greedy text saying, I just bought, you know, 20 shares. And I'm like, when? He's like, today. I was like, okay. I this is like, because he waits. He's like, oh, I don't know if I should buy. I don't know if I should buy. And then he finally capitulates. And he's like representative of the crowd. We should start a um, Twitter account that like tweets out as soon as your uncle texts you about a stock. <laughs> and we, we can be like, Ben's uncle just texted about Tesla. Uh, get out. He's done well for himself though. And, <laughs> you know, credit to him. He keeps it very simple also. But so it was just a really quick trade. I, this was one where I bought, I bought put options for this week. And I bought them just like toward the end of the day. I bought some of the 1130 strike, 1120 and 1100. And I just, I made What was it, it at when you bought them? It was at uh, just about 1200. Wow. So I needed a pretty yeah. precipitous drop to happen very fast. And your and uncle came right in. And that's what happened. It, it gapped down, gapped down meaning it opened significantly lower than the previous day's closed. Uh, close. A gap up would be the opposite, where it opens significantly higher than the previous day's close. Um, so yeah, it gapped down and then it dropped. Intraday, it was down to like, I don't know, it was down like 80 points or something. But again, it was enough to juice those puts. I sold them in the first five minutes of trading. I got some <clears throat> puts you can juice. <laughs> Excuse me? Nothing. Forget it. <laughs> uh, so that was a nice trade. This is all just bragging for me this week. I did yeah, trade. Ben's trade. doing great, everybody. Uh, um, oh, we also had a, uh, you know, Ezla B. Tweeting. No, Ezla? What's his name? Elon. Ezla? <laughs> I just had a stroke. I'm huh? sorry about that. Elon be tweeting. Oh, he always be tweeting. He always be tweeting. And he says, so apparently there was like, I mean, also these get so annoying. Every time they talk about people's wealth, yeah. they'd like start breaking it down and they're like, if you took just a portion of Jeff Bezos' wealth, you could clothe every poor person in the world. And it's like, what does that even mean? But so apparently there was a headline going around about Elon Musk's new wealth and how it could have been solved he could yeah. solve world hunger with just 2% of his wealth. Mm -hmm. And Elon fired back at, I think it's the U, uh, United Nations World Food Program. And he said, if, if, if the WFP can describe on this Twitter thread exactly how 6 billion will solve world hunger, I will sell Tesla stock right now and do it. Fair enough. Okay. Maybe yeah, you see that it. getting talked I think there's more to the thread. I think they, I think he started, I think he started engaging the guy, but then I think Elon left him on red at the end. Yeah, some this this uh, the the WFP chief said that um, yeah, right there. If you go to show replies right below this, David Beasley, the eight point four billion. Oh uh, yeah, the eight point four B you referred to co covers what we needed to reach one hundred fifteen people in twenty twenty with food assistance. We need six billion plus now on top of our existing funding requirements due to blah blah. blah. Due know. to blah blah blah. Elon, That's exactly what we're looking for is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> world hunger, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're no great fans of Elon, but we sure we are rooting for him to solve world hunger. Yeah, do it, man. I dare yeah. you. We, give, uh, give me a million dollars. I, I will never... Um, I mean, also, it's not. this is not a new, the new thing for him, this kind of reeks of... Uh, Condescension? No. I mean, he's done this. Remember with the like 
the Thai boys trapped in the cave. Oh, yeah. He oh, was like yeah. going to give them a submarine and it was just... I mean, he's such an egomaniac. He's got to insert himself into the center of any giant yeah. conversation. Bitcoin, the Thai kids. And then he... Uh, yeah. The, those two things. Up, I'd have to reread. He ended up calling the guy a pedophile for some yeah. reason. I don't that remember. Was his res- the guy was like, <laughs> with all due respect, sir, we appreciate your help, but you don't know what's going on. Like his idea was for these like long tubes to put the children in and the the guy was like we can't do that because of the nature the way the cave is structured and, and he then said, he did oh, it with, uh, you said like a, a pedo guy <laughs> such a he, dork. he did it with the ventilators too during the pandemic oh yeah he promised ventilators and i think he gave people a bunch of sleep apnea machines <laughs> he did <laughs> they were like cpap, CPAP and cpap and bipap machines and uh he said he was going to deliver he like was crying to gavin newsom he was like you got to correct the story they're saying i didn't and then these hospitals were like he gave us he's like thank you for the sleep apnea machines they're not ventilators yeah i guess we'll wait for people with snoring problems to come in he's just a giant weenie i hope he uh come on the show elon musk it's a challenge come on the show give me 10 million dollars and i will turn it into 100 million and then i'll keep it I hope and he, I'll donate some, I'll donate like a good chunk of it. Uh, 50% of the profits will go to uh, my mom. <laughs> I am uh, rooting for him though. I hope he solves world hunger. Yeah, you can't not root for someone in that position to like get us off this planet. But also, come on, focus on Earth, son. Focus on Earth, focus son. Focus on Earth, son. But so this brings us back to, you know, people have been asking we touched on it a little bit, but why Tesla is valued so fucking high? Because it is weird. It's a It is weird. It's a whole it's a whole story. I will try to condense it, but basically Tesla has had a lot of haters from the start and a lot of doubters and a lot of people who were short the stock, like billionaires, short the stock and always talking trash on it. And whenever you've got a high short interest, meaning short interest is how many shares are short roughly speaking. So like with GameStop, there were a ton of shorts in it. The short interest was like sky high, over 100%. Meaning there's a lot of shares out there that eventually do have to get bought back to close the short position, right? Right. Same thing with Tesla. You got, say, 40% of the shares are short. Those are out there. And you know that, hey, if some buying pressure starts to build and the chart starts, the stock starts to break out and go up, those shorts are screwed and they have to buy back the stock or they have to deposit more money into their accounts to like compensate for the losses that they are accruing because after a hundred percent, your broker is going to start incurring the loss, which is what happened to the guy on car. He lost more than he had. The broker then takes the fall. So with Tesla, it's, it's a big combination of things. It's valued at over a trillion dollars, Simply put, because people keep buying stock. And that's due to... Because they think it's going to go up. Because they think it's worth more... A a, a trap that a lot of people fall into is thinking, oh, Tesla's just a car company. And they're valued at like way more than all the other car companies combined. But that's... And that's true. And it's more than they're currently making and more than the assets on their books and more than the cash. It's like... On paper, they are incredibly overvalued, but you got to remember that the market is forward looking and you have to like, (laughs) you have to realize that people aren't thinking about them as just a car company. They're thinking about them. They're basing their purchases 
on future expectations for what the company is going to do five, 10, 15 years into the, into the future. So that future potential value around electricity, electricity storage, their battery tech, renewable energy, right. the AI robo taxis, like they're all being factored in and it's stuff that you can't really value, right? right. I mean, you can, you can kind of throw out guesstimations of like robo taxis are a $3 trillion industry, but, and this is something that I wanted to cover last week, what you have repeatedly with Tesla and has happened multiple times is you have a combination of short squeezes and then what are called gamma squeezes. Gamma squeeze has to do with options. The, the basic thing is that there's such a buying frenzy of call options. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of call options. On Tesla. On Tesla. And think about it. If you are on the other side of that trade and you are writing those call options, what do you got to do to hedge yourself? Pump up Tesla. Well, you have to buy the stock, yeah. right? Because each contract is worth 100 shares, represents 100 shares. And if you were talking millions of call contracts, that's a lot of Tesla stock that has to get bought right. to cover for those call contracts and that's something that's been happening i mean that happened in gamestop that happened in like amc it's it's like it's almost like a, a secret cheat code that people have collectively started to wake up to that the options market can really cause some exciting moves in stocks and tesla's one of them where it's just like buying begets more buying and it just there's this perfect storm of good news and the chart set up and options buying and short squeezes. And it's just, it's never ending. So the valuation, the valuation is based on a ton of things. A it's ton of things. Yeah. Future value, their own, well, everything they have going on. It's not just right the cars they're putting out into the world. Yeah. And don't get cute and think. And then the market also has its own little weird effects on yeah. its valuation. There are so many different ways to value a stock, right? People use, price to earnings ratios, which are called PE ratios. They use market cap. They use um, price to sales. They, there's, there's so many different ways. It's all kind of subjective. There's entire books written about this subject. Like it's kind of, you just kind of like pick one, pick one that works for you. Um, so there were a couple people that asked what I look for. First of all, I'm not any kind of expert, um, but there's one stock that, so... One thing that I do, if I'm trying to value a stock, I simply Google the following. I Google the, um, the ticker symbol plus the phrase key statistics. And that takes you to a Yahoo Finance page. It's very basic, but it shows you, and I don't, I don't know how accurate this information is on Yahoo Finance, but a lot of people use it. There's other websites. There's Google Finance. There's one called Finviz that people use that tells you stuff. But what I look for is very basic. I first, when we pull up the page here, you see on the left, the current market cap, which is how much the company's valued at, right? Right. And this is a, a really big heartbreaker for me. It's a company called InMode. The ticker symbol is I-N-M-D. They make cosmetic surgery robots and stuff for all sorts of things, like pulling your, pulling your skin tight and freezing fat and... Botox, all sorts of stuff. Damn, it looks like they're growing like crazy. Oh, huh? they are growing like crazy. I owned 5,000 shares of this last year at like 15 bucks. I sold them at like 18. 
shot all the way to like a hundred and I don't remember 180 this year. For listeners only, if you, you can see the chart, so back in September of 2020, they were valued at 1.19 billion, and then they were slowly creeping up. 2021, 2.7 billion, gone up like June, and now they're at it's 10x since, since I bought it. Wow! In my 5,000 shares, they did a two for one split. So now I have twi- I would have had twice as many shares, but the price gets cut in half. This one I left, I, I think I would have made like 850 grand in profit on this. Damn. So every day I see this thing and I just want to cry because <laughs> I was right. I was, I mean, it's kind of like hindsight. It's kind of confirmation bias because I don't know if the things that I saw in it are the reason why it was undervalued. But anyway, so first I look at the market cap and at the time it was about a billion bucks, less, maybe less than a billion. And if you scroll down... It shows you all of these things. And what I look for here is on the left, you got profit margin and they've got great margins, 46% margins. That's really good. You want to look for all positive things. Return on assets, I don't really pay attention to. Revenue was a huge one that I saw. Their revenues are 322 million. I think this is annual. Their quarterly revenue growth, 57% year over year. That's huge. They're profitable. Um, they've got cash on their balance sheet. That's another thing that I look for. They have virtually no debt. They had, they've got 387 million in cash, only three and a half million in debt. Um, and then if you scroll up back up just a little bit, I then look to the right here and I just see the percentage of shares held by insiders and institutions. I like to see high institutional ownership. I like to see to a lesser extent, high insider ownership because that shows you that you're not alone and that other people see the value in it. Right. And I saw this combination of things, low market cap, high quarterly growth, solid revenues, solid amount of cash, low debt, high, institu- uh, high institutional ownership, high insider ownership. The chart was like set up and it's in an industry where I'm like, people are getting cosmetic procedures done all the time and they're like super low touch, uh, non-invasive things. It was a no-brainer. And at the time, I kind of felt like, well, what am I missing? Because like, if it was that great, it should be worth more than this, right? And that was a, a stupid uh, F up on my part because I doubted myself. And a lot of what I do is doubt myself. And I had a gym and it's one worth watching. Keep your eye on it because this is one that's now in an unrelenting uptrend and it's probably worth buying on dips. I don't know. Yeah. But that's what I look for. I look at those things. You want to look at growth. You want to look at debt how much revenue they've got, just the basics. And that leads us into, we thought it'd be fun to talk about an IPO for a little bit because we've yes. never talked about this and there's and this one might be fun for the audience because it, it could be happening imminently, the Rivian IPO. Rivian, which is? It's the new, not that new. I mean, it's been around for a while, but everyone's talking about it now because they're ready to launch. It's a new electric vehicle. Trucks. Yeah. yeah. And they're... Um, they're Tesla-esque in that they, uh, it's all going to be, there's not going to be dealerships. It's going to be the same thing where you go directly to Rivian. Right. Um, and another thing is there, uh, you know, one of the biggest uh, draws for Tesla is their charging network. They probably have by far the best charging network for any electric vehicle. Um, and so that helps them. You know how many, you know how many people drive Teslas out of electric vehicles? Ninety percent. Wow. Okay, that's higher than I thought. But it's oh. it's a it's a lot. It's I think 
last year for all the like the market share of Teslas in the electric car mm-hmm. vertical. What is it? Last year for all the registered electric vehicles, it was seventy nine percent. That's substantial. Yeah, that's, that's a, a lot, lot higher than it was ten years ago. Yeah, and I mean they're expensive cars. Yeah. Uh, so, but Rivian is also building out its own charging network because I think if you're not on Tesla, it's like mostly these weird third party. Yeah, Blink is one. Ionic or something. Um, But so Rivian is, they're going to, I think they're hoping by 2023 they'll have, and they've got, you know how Tesla has the supercharger? Mm -hmm. I think they've got their own little version of that. It's like the Rivian Adventure Network. And it's... um, The RAN. The RAN. (laughs) Exactly. And so they want to have like 6,000 of these chargers in, in something like... I don't know. I'm going to get it wrong. It's either like 3,500 and 6,600 locations. I mean, I don't that's think that's... ambitious. I mean, yeah, they still won't... And then it'll be like 10,000 waypoints, which is like... Uh, it won't be as fast charging, but it'll, it'll still be faster than standard charging. So it'll All be... All things that you need as a company, as an electric car company, to overcome the range anxiety right. that electric car... Prospective is, electric car owners have. This is one of the biggest... Uh, barriers to getting people onto the electric vehicle everyone and i think it's not just the u.s it's europe is having these problems too yeah um and i mean that's you know because i wish so right now i think you can only if you you can only use the supercharger network if you have a tesla Mm -hmm. in europe it's they have different um everyone has to use the same plugs and stuff and in america Tesla In Europe, has, they, they have the Royale with cheese. Exactly. <laughs> Tesla has a, a proprietary charger yeah, here. Much like the I, iPhone, right? Right. Yeah. They're like the Apple of electric cars. Oh, that is so annoying. Get over right. yourself. So, But it doesn't matter. Tesla does the same thing in Europe because they can use software to block people from charging on their network. So I think Rivian is using the standard like CCS charger or whatever it is. Uh, but... I think initially they said the RAN network will only be for Rivian drivers. Um, so, right. It is it is a bit of a bummer that it, they're kind of creating this like patchwork of weird. Yeah. It sounds like they're going to be taking up more space than gas stations. I if think every, it'll, if every car company is going to have their own damn proprietary charger. I think they're going to open. Tesla is right now doing a pilot program in Europe where they're allowing people to charge their te- uh, charge their electric cars. electric cars at Tesla gotcha. stations, um, and I think he said he wants to bring it to the states. So, and I think like Rivian said, they're only doing that initially. I mean, that's it's tough because like that is one of their big selling points, right? The charging networks, yeah. And they're doing a thing. They're like these adventure vehicles. They like they're kind of crazy. You should look at one of the videos. They like it. A lot of it is what they showed on the Cybertruck, the Tesla Cybertruck. They've got the same kind of uh, camping capabilities, like a tent will pop out and you can get the attachment where there's like a stove top coming out. Hmm. So, and that's another thing. Like there's a, I think there's a Tesla Rivian. Look at them. They're pretty sick. The R1C is the truck. The R1S is the... the headlights are a little goofy. Yeah, they're they're a little goofy. (laughs) But... That's kind of the name of the game with electric vehicles. A lot of them look yeah. a little goofy. Well, they're IPOing at a valuation of roughly $53 billion. Um, they're trying to raise a little over $8 billion, which is, I want to say, the fourth largest raise in IPO history. Um, Amazon owns 20% of them. Ford owns 5% of them. 
uh, their stated strategy is to build electric delivery vans for the, Amazon. Yeah, and so like that's a little bit of a Hertz situation where they, I think they have a like Amazon wants to build out their yeah. electric fleet. It's part of their push to go carbon neutral or whatever by right. twenty thirty five. And they're developing a pickup and an SUV aimed at affluent people. So sorry, poor people. It's going to be a while to. It'll leave. be very like much like Tesla prices probably. You know. Yeah. Yeah, like upwards of 50, 60 grand. Yeah, and then when you start adding on all these packages and stuff. Yeah. But so, and it's in there. We can go through their SEC filing a little bit. and Yeah, so we, we um, oh yeah, well, Tesla's, Tesla's kind of getting pissed. Tesla's got a lawsuit against them? Tesla's suing them. It started out as, so a lot of the people from Rivian, used to work at Tesla, which is not that crazy in the car. Cry me a river. In the car industry, it's like a lot of people jump sure. from different- Sure, any industry. But I think the problem is that you're dealing with pretty new tech. And yeah. uh, at first it was just, Tesla was suing, saying that Rivian is poaching his employees. Yeah. Um, Elon and, Musk was saying that. Yeah. And Rivian was saying- Too yeah, bad, so sad. They were saying he's that he's doing this to intimidate people to not let them leave. Or right. So it's it was like a weird little battle, but now he's expanded the they've expanded the lawsuit to say that they are actually stealing um trade secret. IP, trade secrets, yeah. tech. Um, I mean, I don't he's probably going to just try to bury them in in um legal crap. It's 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 which is unsurprising. Yeah. I mean, so but this is something they're listing in their filing. Yeah, um, which is what we wanted to talk about right. next. So when when a company IPOs, there were some people asking, so shout out to Larry. Hey, Larry, a friend of mine who was asking me, should I buy the Rivian IPO? First of all, I have no effing clue <laughs> to anybody asking anything about buying anything. I don't know, man. Do, uh, you know. But one thing that you can do is when a stock uh, is about to IPO, which stands for initial public offering. Initial, the first public offering. It's about to be offered to the public for the first time to buy the stock. Right. And before that, it's just a private company. It's just a private company. So it's a yeah. private company. They're doing well and yeah. they want to be able to offer themselves up to the Yeah. The market. insiders, all the original um, angel investors and the private equity firms want to cash out. So, well, and they- But this it, can also help them build capital yeah, and exactly. reinvest in- Yeah. And they want to- um, they want to raise money, which is what Rivian's doing. But what they do is they, uh, it's kind of like a birth certificate for the stock. It's called an S1. It is the filing that they put out there that kind of outlines the business plan and how they're going to use the proceeds from from the uh, the raises. But there's one thing that you ought to look at when you open up. So if you want to check out, you can check out any stock that has... Um, uh, filed one of these, any public stock, it's out there indefinitely, but you just Google the stock and then S1. And so I recommend going and searching under the risk factors and Rivian's risk factors is 50 pages. <laughs> and it's really interesting. There's just like- Because it depends on a lot of things. Yeah, it depends on so much. So I'm, I'm just going to go through a couple of these. This, these are their- each one of these then has an entire paragraph below it kind of going into to detail. So we are a growth stage company with a history of losses and expect to incur significant expenses and continuing losses for the foreseeable future. Our limited operating history makes it difficult for us to evaluate our future business prospects. Okay. 
Our ability to develop, to develop and manufacture vehicles of sufficient quality and appeal to customers on schedule and on a, on a large scale is unproven. Like a lot of this is basically they're saying stuff that you know the lawyers kind of make them have to right. say. They have to account for any and all contingencies around tech, IP. There was an interesting one that said we might have customers who decide to modify their cars that are against our like recommendations. And that might, you know, someone might put something on it aftermarket and it causes it to blow up. And that could have adversely affect our stock. Like they really touch on everything. Don't they also have one about the CEO? Yeah, there's one this, about the CEO. I thought um, that one was pretty interesting because it... Yeah, keep going here. So they have a CEO, RJ Scaringe. I don't yeah, know how there it to is. Say his name. We are highly dependent on the services and reputation of Robert J. Scaringe, our founder and chief executive officer. Uh, if he were to discontinue his service due to death, disability, <laughs> or any other reason, or if his reputation is adversely impacted by personal actions or omissions or other events within or outside his control, we would be significantly disadvantaged. They make him seem almost Elon Musky, but I don't think I, I've. Well, he's like the, this is his brainchild. He, yeah. He started it in 2009, I think. I Googled him a little bit. He seems fairly normal. All right, uh, cool. Vegan guy who likes to mountain bike and. Yeah, the, <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> they talk about, they go on to, it's interesting. I suggest you all take a look. Um, but it's worth paying attention to because there are cautionary tales. Facebook's IPO. Like there are some IPOs that are successful right off the bat. Beyond Meat was a very successful That's one. another one who I think they had a trade secrets uh, lawsuit when they IPO'd, and, but it didn't affect them. So, I mean, it, yeah. it depends. And that one was interesting because I think there was a, a bit of a short squeeze factor where it was hated from the start and it felt like it was a bloated valuation. But then to everyone's surprise and the, to the chagrin of shorts, it just rocketed from like, I don't know, 20, 30 bucks a share all the way to several hundred. Damn. And it just, it was insane. But um, Facebook's was a very unsuccessful IPO because in their S1 filing, in their risk factors, 11 days before they went public, they amended it to include this little thing. And they basically said, oh, hey, by the way, we're slashing our revenue projections because this was like 2013, mm -hmm. 2011, 2012, whenever they went public. We're slashing our revenue projections because more and more of our users are flocking to mobile, the app, instead of desktop and, you know, online. And we haven't yet monetized mobile. Oh. So our numbers are going to get affected. So it was this whole thing where all these analysts had to like revise their projections. And it was just this chaos. And there was a lawsuit that they were involved in that they also hadn't really discussed. But it was interesting because it IPO'd at like, I don't know, 40 bucks or something like that. It eventually dropped all the way down to the teens because their mobile, which is insane to think about all this time later, their mobile revenues were zero. They made exactly no money off of their Facebook app. It's insane to think about now, yeah. right? And then I distinctly remember there, I almost made a trade on it and I didn't going into their very first earnings report where they were going to drop how much money they'd made after finally monetizing mobile. They went from making $0 on mobile to like one point something billion dollars on mobile. They Dink. just, they pulled the lever and boom, money and machine. And it all shot up. And then it all, and it never looked back. And how now much, it's, you know. How much did it shoot up when they turned on the uh, like destabilizing governments thing? <laughs> <laughs> 
a lot, man. They love the destabilized oh, yeah, government. So these can be tricky. I mean, they can be very tricky. Tri- Twilio was another successful IPO that had a lot of hype and fanfare, but then it didn't live up to the expectations. It shot all the way back down to like the teens, but then they started to kind of find their footing and they rocketed back up. Now Twilio is an indispensable part of any growth portfolio. You know what, you know what Tesla IPO'd at? I want to say 15 bucks, 25 No, no, bucks. the market cap. The market cap was tiny. It was yeah, only a few. Yeah, billion. Yeah, which is. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And it's wild because like now this is, you know, the electric vehicle space has gotten so crazy. Everything uh, is crazy now. Yeah. Everything but, so, IPOs at such insane valuations, it leaves little room for the little guy to participate in any of the upside. It, so it seems. Right. Unless you buy what is, what is the nerd wallet just went public at like a $1.8 billion valuation. Damn. You want to buy some nerd wallet? Maybe. Not I feel me. like I use them for something, but I can't I use what. Credit Karma for my stuff. One of them, I like check what are good credit cards. Buddy, you got me. I know. This was before. That's why I don't use it anymore. I, that was before I knew you were the freaking points guy. Yeah. If anybody needs referral codes, <laughs> just DM me and DM I'll me get too. points. I want to get in on the points. Too. I'll get I points. Like... You'll get points. We're all happy. <laughs> Come yeah, on. This show is slowly just going to devolve into a point scheme. I just want to accumulate them. I don't want to use them. I just want to squirrel them away. Put them in my cheeks. Put those nuts in my cheeks. But yeah, so there is a lot. And I hope we time this out. I hope this drops and Rivian IPOs the day. Oh, that'd be drops. tight. That would be sick. Mr. But Dr. Scaringe, please. Dr. Scaringe. IPO on Monday. But there's a lot today. going on here. There's a lot to watch, especially with the electric vehicle space. I mean, we need to do it. Joe Biden says we're going to do it by hey, 2030. Hey, I got to get the electric car. My uncle, he was a car. And he's like, <laughs> you ever see the video where he says, boy, could my dad drive a car? No. It's so weird. He says, boy, could my dad drive he's, a car? He's driving a car. It's like to make him more relatable. And he's yeah. like, he's like in this old Corvette, I think. And he's like, you know, he's not all there up there. And he, uh, which I don't blame him. I mean, he's a guy so fucking old. I feel bad for him. But, uh, He's just sitting in the driver's seat at one point. He just goes, boy, could my dad drive a car? (laughs) (laughs) But I hope, you know, I hope something happens with the, like. To Joe Biden? No. Oh. I don't know. The charging network, though, I hope they do something to standardize it. It would be uh, great to, because I mean, the, the, when you're looking at the numbers for those electric vehicles sold, it's, you know, it's, um, it's mostly Tesla's and then you got some, it's like the cheaper, cheaper vehicles. You got some Chevy bolts in the mix, some you know what uh, charging network, I Nissan use? Leafs. What? I use American Express. Okay. He's trying to sell you more get, credit get, cards. <laughs> I want those referral links, but man. they said, I think with his infrastructure plan, they're trying to build at least like a half a million, yeah. a half a million charging stations and it's like and every time he does that the charging stocks there's blink there's plug there's i don't remember which other ones but they all shoot up for a little bit and then they just get sold off because they're like so overvalued and so far from profitability but if we don't uh we don't do it who's gonna do it right but i hope there's some kind of standard for we're not just put yeah it'll be usb usb c or something right yeah, don't not Tesla, Apple, not Rivian, not you Don't know. let Apple take over the Yeah. But you gotta make money, Emil. I know, that's the thing. That's where the big but you know, this used to be I don't know, there used to be like a I'm gonna get it wrong, but there was like a product standardization was not like a thing until I think Herbert Hoover as the Secretary of Commerce. The vacuum guy? No, the bad president during the oh, Great Depression. The guy um, who built the dam. 
he didn't build it, but they named it after him. Oh. Like, bef- as a Secretary of Commerce, I think in like 1920 or something, there was like, before he stepped in and issued private, uh, issued product standardization, there was like 78 different types of mattresses. Like, you know how now you have like king, full, queen, twin? There were 78 different size mattresses? Something like that, yeah. What and were they like, called? I don't know. Every company had their own, right? It wasn't like they- uh, 78 different mattresses. I say bring them back. Bring back- Bring back the innovation. Bring back choice. I want to lay on a yeah. weird fucking mattress. Yeah. Give me the, I don't know, super king. Super, super queen. King. I have a queen. I got a- Because I am I a queen. Know. What's the difference between a full and a queen? I don't know. A little bit bigger. Okay, but so is there anything else you want to tell people if they're looking, if they're if they're interested, if this comes out- Be careful. Out, read the risk factors before, and then, yeah, if, if, uh, take a look at the S1. It's worth looking at. And then command F to search within the document for risk factors and just take an, take an hour or whatever, It is hard to, to tell because like just on a brief glance, it looks, I'm seeing like- It's intimidating. Amazon and Ford backed like yeah. almost kind of new Tesla, very cool cars, great charging network. Seems tight. I'm in. All right. Well, but then you look yeah. all the, well, and you they can also, also put, just wait for it to IPO, see how it does after a week, and and dip your toes in if you so choose. But yeah, I don't know. Okay. To each his own. Their own. To each their own. Should we leave it at that? I think we should leave it at that. I think that's a good amount. We've covered so much. We have covered it. We're going a little bit over. No, we we're going just how much we want, right, buddy? Yeah, we did this on purpose. Jeff Bezos. There'll be more episodes. We'll get to the other stuff yeah. later. Why, why did you say Jeff Bezos? I don't know. I'm just thinking about it. It makes me sick. That was weird. Yeah. Jeff Bezos. I'll explain later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tell me off Tell me yeah. off camera. Anyway. All right, thanks guys. For in, thanks folks. for tuning in again. See you next week. We love you. Another... Like, subscribe, comment, yeah. listen, watch. Do whatever you want, you crazy freaks. Scream. Take off your scream, but don't follow people in Stanford backpacks. It, it's very you're gonna make them uncomfortable. We want everyone to be safe. Yeah. Take care, everyone. Happy Halloween. <laughs>